0: Hey, I'm Brett Sallier, I'm a computer scientist.
1: And I'm Marcus Riggs, a crypto investor.
0: We're just two friends seeking to learn a little more about the crypto space every week and share our discoveries with you.
1: Join us each week as we go through the evolving world of crypto and discuss everything from Bitcoin, NFTs, blockchain technology, mining, and a whole lot more.
0: We are the Crypto Bros. Usually. Learning from other people's mistakes is the easiest way to make sure that you're not going to repeat the same failure that they did. And from what I've what I've observed, and I've not been a part of the same crypto projects, the failed crypto projects that a lot of people in our community have been a part of. But having the community like ours, where we have all witnessed some of these failures, we all kind of know what to look out for. It sort of adds another layer of accountability to uh the Zeta project in general, because we've, we're not, I say we, not me, because obviously I wasn't a part of a lot of these other things, but um, a lot Mm -hmm. of the other members in our community have, and they kind of know what the red flags are and, and things like that. So it's just sort of a nice uh, built-in security feature, if you want to call it that.
1: Well, that's why it's a smart community, because of that.
0: Right. Well, you're battle hardened. You have some
2: experience behind you. It's, uh, you know, some people, they kept saying, you're stupid to launch in a bear market. You're crazy. Why would you do such a thing? DeFi market's already over. And I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, well, I'm not trying to take advantage of a cycle, right? I mean, yeah, if you're trying to take advantage of a cycle, you're 100% right. You shouldn't launch in a bear market. Um, Although I will say there's a lot of layer twos that have launched in bear markets. I think even AVAX was one of them, by the way. But, But aside from that, I'm like, you know, people have to do their research more in a bear market. I mean, because there's a, there's a greater chance that you've lost money in some projects, you know, myself included in that. Um, you know, I, I always say that I have yet to find the uh, secret to full sanctification. And if I do, I'll let you know.
1: Uh, <laughs> but,
2: but, but, you know, the thing is, is I think um, it's created a battle-hardened community that has to actually really know what they're putting their money in. It's different in a bull market where you could take money over here and you throw it in this thing called, you know, unicorn nodes or whatever, whatever the word may be um and you're just kind of hoping it does a a 5x and you kind of get out before it crashes it's it's you have to really know what does this project do what do they stand for how does it work what makes it different and all that And i actually think that was the benefit of launching in a bear market as opposed to a bull market where people are just throwing money all around
0: that's true i mean it only gets better right well i mean not necessarily for us because we're trading on you know the otc and things like that we're not like based on a token that necessarily is going to fluctuate up and down in its value. But, I mean, there's just the the overall sentiment of, you know, trading in crypto in general that also plays a, a role into that.
2: Yeah, you know, um, I've mentioned the prisoner's dilemma several times. And uh, it, I'm, sure, I'm sure you guys know what this is. But, you know, um,
1: I don't know. Have we started, by the way? I don't know. We're just talking. Have we started?
0: I recorded a video. Yeah,
1: then. S.H.I.E.L.D., XRP's grandpa name, if we mentioned that in there in the beginning.
0: I didn't start recording yeah, yeah. until after that, technically.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: no worries.
2: Um, but uh, I forgot what I was even saying. What was I saying? Uh,
1: yeah. the, the Prisoner's, prisoner's Dilemma. It,
2: yeah. Yes, thank you. The Prisoner's Dilemma is um, people will typically take the the decision when they're coupled. It's too, too long, didn't read version, basically. It mo- goes in more depth than this. But essentially, the idea is you have a couple decisions. One decision is you can benefit yourself with some sort of inconvenience Maybe you don't benefit as much, maybe you have to wait, but it benefits everybody in addition. Versus you could benefit yourself the most right now, but nobody else benefits. And you typically find that is the decision most people make. That's why I think 100% decentralization doesn't work. Just like 100% centralization doesn't work. It's kind of like bringing in Austrian and Keynesian economics into crypto. Um, You need a little bit of a balance of both in my opinion. Uh, We've seen kind of both sides crash. We've seen both sides have kind of problems. But I do think, Of all the communities, I'm not just saying this because I'm biased. Of course, I am slightly biased, I'll admit. Is that the Zeta community is the one that breaks the prisoner's dilemma the most, I think, because I do know that people want what's best for the fund. They want what's best for the business because, again, it's a real business. It's not just a crypto project, whereas a lot of crypto projects don't make money. They're not run like a real business, they don't have an organization structure. Um, You know, I I run businesses, not just a crypto project. I always approach this as a real hardcore business that has to make money, has to take care of the founders, the business and the people, not in that order, but everybody has to win. And I think that we have a great community that really understands that and really kind of breaks the prisoner's
0: dilemma for the first time that I've seen.
1: Yeah, I I agree.
0: I was going to say, I I think that inspires a lot of confidence, especially um, for me, because when I know that something's being run as a business, there are incentives to um, ensure that that business is successful. And, you know, Mark and I ask each other this question all the time. It's like, what is, the, what is the one thing that you can even conceive would be like the downfall of Zeta? And it's really hard to come up with things. Um, back in the day, it's like, well, you know, like the token price is fluctuating a lot. You know, maybe it's going to be something like that. But then like, boom, you know, a month, two months later, all those issues are addressed. It's no longer a problem. Then it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe before that it was like Radio Shack Swap. It's like, oh, well, it's, you know, kind of, you know, not, not a lot of support from them at the time. Uh, Discord became kind of like a ghost town. It wasn't a really good look, but then, you know, he ditched Radio Shack Swap and now we're all OTC and it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm, I'm a little biased too, I'll say, but, uh, uh, I don't know. what are your thoughts Mark
2: Well it, it, it's um, you know part of running a business is the journey you know where you want to go but you don't always go there the way you think you're going to go there. it's it's like that uh, image that I've always shown you know what success looks like and what people think it looks like right yeah exactly it's it's you know it's I don't know if there's any marathon runners in the house I used to run a marathon I don't know anymore, more but you know half. you get you have cool cool so you know no, exactly yeah. it what was, I'm it, about was about. it was a half marathon to be fair. That's half more than most people. So, there you go. Um, I was going to say, you know, when you're running, you get to points. You're like, I didn't expect this. You cramp up. You're a little more sore. Maybe you went up a hill you weren't expecting, different things like that. But you finished, right? Maybe you didn't finish exactly how you wanted to, but you knew where you were going. It was the journey of getting there. And a business is very much like that. And crypto is very much like that. Um, I would say a month is like a year in like a traditional, I don't know, non crypto sort of business. So, you know, you're learning things. Nobody's perfect. I, you know, have a real problem with founders who think they know everything. They've always got it figured out. We've been in rooms with people like that. I don't know about you. I find it really annoying when people think they know everything. Um, if I don't know something, they say, you know what, it's a really good idea. Let me think about that, bring it back to the team. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's really all on the business journey and the evolution of a business, which again is the key differentiator between a crypto project and a real business.
1: For sure. The funny thing is... Um you know, I heard it was like maybe a month or two ago in a in a Zone Weekly update, you kind of touched on Austrian versus Keynesian economics, which is someone who's kind of an economics buff. I was all ears at that point. One of the questions that I was thinking of when SVB kind of hit the wall was, do you think that over time a more Keynesian school of economics will take over the top cryptos in the space? Or do you think the Austrian school of thought will continue to reign in the top cryptos and follow in the steps of Bitcoin? Because the interesting thing is, when you really think of something like USDC, when you really think about it, especially with the reserves, it really does, outside of the decentralization aspect, it really is more of a Keynesian economics kind of model because it focuses, It's one, it's, it's reserves deal, deals in fiat, but two like you can have bank runs on a cryptocurrency when you think about it inadvertently, which when you think about it is kind of a very Keynesian model. And so I was wondering, what do you think about the idea of you know Keynesian ep- economics kind of getting into the crypto space in those kind of backdoor Trojan horse type ways? And do you think that's going to be a threat for the top cryptos moving forward?
2: I think it can be. So I look at it sort of in two layers. I look at it from the layers of tokenomics That's always going to, in most cases, be Austrian uh, economic, I think, led um, with a finite supply and decentralization aspect, although a lot of them are becoming more centralized. Um, So I think from the Austrian economic standpoint, you're always going to have tokenomics designed around. That's what the draw to crypto is. It's finite supply. It's decentralization. It's leave me alone. Let me be my own bank. Let me do my own thing and stop interfering in my life, kind of what has really democratized the space and brought us into it but you will have a Keynesian sort of uh, influence, I'll, I'll use, because you do have centralization over a lot of these. Um, you have centralization risks. And and again, I use that uh, sort of loosely because I think some centralization is good. I think you need a balance of both. But just kind of answer your question with a lot of the big cryptos, probably aside from Bitcoin, is probably the most, uh, um, you know, one that's not going to be as immune to this, but you will see some centralization of um, the organization, maybe that minted it, or regulatory, you know, factors or uh, reserve factors in fiat, which is kind of a funny thing. We have a supposed to be this this you know Austrian economic blockchain distributed ledger technology, finite supply crypto that's now being influenced by the opposite, which is kind of a funny sort of dichotomy. But you're always going to have those influences, and anytime you have, I think um, a sort of greed in space, I will say. Uh, maybe a lack of um, uh, uh, being on the safe side, which I think you those two kind of play together because, you know, we see this as FTX, you know, over leveraging user funds, uh, things like that. Things that I always said, day we can never, ever, 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 ever do um, is take funds that people think are theirs and then start lending it out and getting crazy and doing stupid things like that. You always have those sort of influences on cryptocurrencies, whether that's the FTT token or whether that's USD coin having reserves and fiat and bank runs and what does a bail-in look like and it's really kind of funny because all of those can actually influence crypto. They can influence what we feel is outside the system. It is mostly outside the system, but it's not completely outside the system as we know. There's there's definitely influences, you know, falls equities or there's bank collapses that can influence the stable coin and just things that you would not think of until sometimes they happen. Um, and then you realize how deep some of these organizations that minted these tokens are with the traditional system. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not what I got into. So it's not as it kind of catches you by surprise, I'll say. So I think you're always going to have this um, dichotomy of both kind of fighting each other. You're going to have the tokenomic side and people who really believe in true decentralization and distributed ledger blockchain technology um, being democratized among people versus this more centralized approach and they could be very extreme on both sides. And then you're going to see this wrestling. And then we're going to come to find out that some of these are more intertwined than we probably think.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I kind of realized that for the first time when I started looking into USDT. I was like, why? When I looked at their model. <laughs> yeah, With their yeah. reserves. I was like, though, and, and definitely USDC isn't like the best possible model you could ever have. But also, mm, if you true. look at the competitors, it's like, well... I guess I'll take USDC. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: and, and which one gets depegged first? USDC does. The I one that has audits and, and
1: backings of real documentation, but the one that doesn't—that's crypto for it.
0: Yeah, that's that's the funny you, thing is. Um, I think I lost him. Yeah, we got oh, you back. I think you're back. Yeah, yeah
1: there I am. Go ahead.
0: We uh, we were talking uh, at XRP Grandpa's class the other day, and we were, we were kind of like talking about the same thing. It's like. You know, I, I really don't like USDT, but I mean, look what happened. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy how, you know, this one model that everyone was kind of skeptical of, raising eyebrows at, is the one that's still kind of holding strong. And then the one that we all kind of preferred is the one that uh, de-pegged, uh, depegged first. Well, I shouldn't say depegged first. Um, I'm not sure which one actually depegged first. I mean, they've depegged by a couple of cents, three cents, I think, in the past, but, you know, it's whatever.
2: Sure, and and it was actually, um, you know, the focus was on USDC, but there were others that also depegged. That die, it depegged as well.
0: Oh, I didn't know um, that one. Ones.
2: Yeah, so there it was. It was one of those. You know, it lasted for like what a day or two, I think. But still, it shook people because no, you know, people thought USDC was sort of invincible. And it, it's just, that's, that's crypto. Crypto is um, unlike any other business. So there's a business side, but then there's the user side. You would think that USDT would be the one to depeg and have all these problems. No, it's actually the one that has more clarity and more transparency is the one that ends up having the problem. So it just, crypto's weird, man. It just tends to work that way sometimes. It keeps you on your heels for sure.
0: I was impressed by how fast it actually bounced back though. I mean, it wasn't DPEG for very long. I mean, considering yep. the amount of money that was involved. I mean, I was, I was pretty impressed.
2: You know, um, I think Circle learned some lessons from uh, UST because they didn't step in with their reserves to try to prop it back up. They kind of allowed, It's by the way, it's very suspicious how it happened on a Friday and a late Friday, by the way, going right into a weekend where, you know, banks weren't open, equities weren't open. It was kind of a little interesting how that worked up. They kind of allowed it to play out a little bit and allowed it to just kind of calm down and relax instead of coming in, and just pouring cash on it to keep it up because you know, they could have ran out of their reserves very quickly. You know, they learned some lessons. So I think there was some smart moves after the fact, maybe not so much before though.
0: Yeah, I yeah. didn't even think about that, but that's a good point. <laughs> now I'm going to be uh, uh, looking at conspiracy theories and stuff in, uh, in my spare time. Like what was actually <laughs> I don't know on? how
1: healthy that is. <laughs>
2: well, look, it's it's sort of like when uh, we got a bull market. What is it? Nothing but good news, right? Bear market, nothing but bad news. I mean, it's a little too suspicious, I will say.
1: I think there's definitely some if people like to use the word "rigged" lightly. I think a better term is uh, "manipulated." I think the markets are definitely manipulated by uh, by news outlets. They're very um, fickle.
2: You know, when I talk to other funds that do trading and they don't trade crypto, now sometimes I ask, "How come?" Yeah, it's kind of curious. Why don't you trade Bitcoin? To too manipulated. So they'll tell me, it's "Too it's too controlled." Which is weird because these are people that will trade equities and all sorts of things, uh, but sometimes they won't. And not everybody, but you know, some of the ones I talked to, this is what they'll tell me um, that they feels too manipulated, too controlled. Kind of interesting because I thought, well, didn't we get into crypto because of that? So it's interesting how this creeps into other markets over time.
0: Yeah, it probably yeah. just comes with uh, more people trading it too. I mean, back in the day when Bitcoin wasn't very popular, you know, there's not going to be as much market manipulation going on, but. You introduce enough people, people are going to figure out how to do it, and they're going to do it as much as they can as long as they're making money.
1: Well, it's also like news outlets don't really want to talk about Forex. They rather talk about how Bitcoin's a scam or maybe the health of the dollar, which is kind of Forex, but it's not really because everything's in pairs. Sure. But the the things, that, to my understanding, the things that these funds trade are securities like Forex and like gold. They're, you know, they're, like you said, they're, they're not interested in trading, you know, Bitcoin or XRP or definitely not XRP, at least at the moment, or pretty oh, much yeah. anything else. That's that's the real front line of uh, crypto right now. Is Ripple's lawsuit that is that is the front line of the battleground, and we'll see. It seems like it's coming to a close, but hard to tell well, with the SEC.
2: I've heard uh, about nine hundred dates up to this point. We'll see which one comes <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> I say, really, I should say five hundred eighty-nine dates, but that's another joke. <laughs> yeah,
0: oh, man. Uh,
1: one of the. One of the questions I wanted to get to a lot of people, you know, with you, especially, you know, they like to talk about Zeta, Zeta topics. But one of the things I was interested in is what was your first experience in the crypto space and why were you initially drawn to it and, and what timeline was that roughly? When was that? It's in 2020.
2: So uh, I think a lot of people got into 2020, actually, the pandemic kind of opened people's eyes up to things that were going on. There you go. So um, I was and still am a big silver guy, physical silver guy, not the paper stuff, but um big uh, um, holder of silver and you know i knew cryptos obviously in the it industry i knew blockchain and crypto but you know wasn't really involved in it um and and i got into crypto kind of funny uh, originally because i wanted to try try to trade it and use the profits to buy more silver that was actually the idea and I started hearing about things like DigiByte and xrp and litecoin what is a, what, what makes a DigiByte a DigiByte and an xrp and xrp and all those kinds of stuff and as I got into it, I realized, oh, this is much bigger than just trading something back and forth, which by the way, everybody wants to trade and most traders lose money, which is kind of the funny part about the story. Um, and and I realized that it was much bigger than just trading for profits and uh, you know, maybe even bigger than silver, right? So I was kind of looking at this a little differently and having the, the IT background kind of understood the advantages. Um, there's obviously disadvantages too, but advantages of what cryptocurrency is and blockchain, distributed ledger technology. Um, got into that more, and obviously, XRP was kind of the original um, big holding of mine. Still is, still haven't sold my XRP. And, um, you know, started getting into more okay, what does this look like from a perspective of being able to, um, you know, earn some sort of passive income or some sort of, you know, there's this big debate what even is passive income. We can argue that, of course. So that's, you know, kind of like a, a loose term, I understand. And saw the DeFi market, and then just you know got into it, got some friends into it, and uh, was just sharing my thoughts on it. And People you know were interested in what I had to say, and I, I never came into the space. I'm going to have a YouTube channel and a Twitter. No, I just came in, was following things, and just uh, you know an average person like anybody else. You know, nothing special. And uh, people wanted to, me to make a YouTube channel, so I did that. And one thing led to another. Uh, the fall of the DeFi space, the the uh, un. Nope. Covering of you know lies by a lot of people running this. The, the, um, as a matter of fact, that you mm-hmm. know a lot of these projects didn't actually make money. Were unable to make money. Had these grandiose ideas but couldn't execute on it. I said, what would it look like if you had? Um, I know nobody's good, but some good air quote good people in the space that um, uh, had the people's best interests at heart, but actually made money, could run it like a real business. What would that look like? And on top of that, you gave people access to something that they don't typically or traditionally have access to. Um, so that's how Zeta was born.
0: Hmm. wow that's super interesting because you know i think most people have the same thought when when they first start looking into cryptocurrency or kind of just what they think when they hear it it's it's not that it's like a whole bunch of different currencies that'll have their pros and cons a lot of people just hear cryptocurrency and the first thing they think of is bitcoin and they think that it's you know worthless there's no reason that it should be worth what it is today and you know while i may agree. I, I kind of look at cryptocurrency as a whole as almost almost like a digital or like a decentralized version of like the stock market because a lot of times you are not you're not just you're like you're not just using a currency to send or the crypto a cryptocurrency to send funds from one person to another. Um, a lot of times it's just supporting a project that uses some token um, in some way or another to prop up this project. And in that sense, you're almost like investing in it as you would like a stock because you, know, you, you go and you look at like Zeta, like you're not gonna go purchase the Zeta token so you can go send it to somebody else as like some store of value. You're gonna use it because it's a valuable asset um, when you're building up uh, your your zones or your way to accessing these high-frequency trading funds. And um, and even, even Bitcoin at this point really doesn't do the whole like, <laughs> cryptocurrency is an exchange type of thing very well but um i don't know it's just it still sort of has like the wrong um context for a lot of people like they just don't like truly grasp what cryptocurrency as a whole is like xrp is going to be really good for you know sending you know just exchanging funds back and forth that's kind of what it was made to do just you know sort of on an international level but uh I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes to like explain this to people so that they fully understand what or how cryptocurrency can be used in the future. Like, it's not just, like I said, sending funds from one person to another. It's what the, what do these people, what did this group create that I can use? To make things easier on myself, maybe maybe it's like some NFT based game, maybe it's like a, just a casual thing that's that's fun and that's like a fun thing to do in like uh, like your evenings off or something like that. But um, I don't know. Well,
2: I, you know, I had kind of the same uh, arguments before I got into crypto. So, you know, what's the point of it? It has no value. It's not worth anything. And you know, what's the value behind it? You know, I knew the value behind gold and silver. What's the value behind cryptos? So I was mm-hmm. kind of one of those people too. And as I got into it, I realized, okay, wait a minute. There's cryptos that do different things and they do different things based on the blockchain and the technology in which they're used for. That was kind of my eye open. It's like, oh, it's not just a token people send back and forth that has no value. I think that's how people see crypto. They see it. Yeah, you buy it for one dollar and you sell it for two, or you buy it for one dollar, you send it to somebody so you can exchange money and make it easier. They don't realize there's a whole la- There's literally layers to blockchain networks and there's layers to distributed ledger technologies. I got in, I realized oh, there's this thing called VeChain and it helps with logistics, and there's this thing called Quan and it, it helps with um, you know Web three uh, um, APIs and software con- interconnectivity, and there's this thing called XRP and it helps you know bridge uh, international settlements. It's like I- I didn't realize this is how it actually worked, and I think there's just, uh, you know, I think the statistic is, I might get this wrong, it's something like four or five percent of the population in the world actually owns crypto, something to that degree. Hmm. And I think about that, and I think, okay, how many of those people who actually own it understand it? That's got to be another maybe 10% of those people, right? So we're talking a sliver of a sliver of a sliver of people who really get it, and then you get into Web3 and DeFi, fine. that's a whole nother <laughs> onion, layer to the onion, right? So- um, it's it's an educational process that'll take time but that's why I tell people you are so early you don't know it yet but you will know it about 20 30 years from now you will realize you'll look back and see how early you actually were
0: yeah and it's like that's the whole reason Mark and I decided to create this podcast not because we actually thought we had anything of value to give people. It was mostly just a way to keep ourselves accountable and learn the things that we didn't understand because there's a difference between, thinking you understand something and then taking that thing that you think you understand and turning around and trying to explain it to somebody else as soon as you try to explain it it becomes much more difficult and then you think think to yourself wow okay i actually need to sit down and try to understand this a little bit better so i can almost guarantee if you were to go back and maybe you have listened to uh the first couple three episodes of our of our podcast it probably sounds like we have no idea what we're talking about I mean, I still probably don't have any idea what I'm talking about, at least compared to a lot of people. But,
2: <laughs> Well, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, having started a YouTube channel and all this kind of stuff, it just shares the way I look at things, this is how I see things, these are things that I'm, you know, personally interested in. It, it does actually require you to really understand what you're talking about. Obviously, if you're going to teach something, I always say, if you want to really understand something, teach it because if you could teach it, you know it, right? Um, so, so you know, going from the perspective you guys are taking is, hey, you started this podcast. That means you really got to know what you're talking about. Now, there's a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about, as you well know, but uh, if you really want to have effective content, you really want to help people, which I think is your guys' goal. Obviously, you're helping a lot of people now. Um, you have to know what you're talking about, and you have to actually be able to give them those aha moments. Oh, now I get it. You explained it in a way that made sense to them. And you did that because you understand it. And if you didn't understand it, you couldn't help them understand it in a way that speaks to them. And I think that's what you guys are doing. And that really means you gotta know what you're talking about. You gotta be studied. You have to understand the ins and outs. You don't have to know everything, but you gotta know those, you know, 80, 20 things that make sense.
0: Yep. and it's also, okay. I mean, like, we're kinda just starting to get to the point where we can have meaningful conversations with people that are, I would consider, probably experts in the community. And, but we're also, we're also new enough that we kind of are aware of the misunderstandings that a lot of newer people have, and we can remember not knowing these things and kind of the questions that we had, and then we can hopefully try to help people out, uh, bridging that gap of understanding.
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting with me and Brett is we both have a very high standard for ourselves when it comes to wanting to constantly be learning something. You know, it's it, and that's kind of Brett with the uh, the zone simulator that he's been working on. You know, obviously there it, it could have a utility aspect to the community, but more than anything, you know, I was asking one on it. I was like, I mean, we have the zone calculator, and fifty other people have their own versions of calculators. They're throwing around the Discord. I was like, do you really need this? And he basically came back at me, and he was like, well this is going to be some coding that I haven't really gotten comfortable with and I don't really understand. So I'm going to, I can get better at it if I actually just make this thing. And then hopefully some people can get help by making that. And it just kind of reminded me of what the po- the podcast was all about, which is we just had a hunger to learn and we knew we would better retain the knowledge that we wanted to learn anyway, if we actually had to talk about it and share it with each other and with the people that listened.
2: You know, I don't, remember we were talking before i don't know if this got recorded as part of it but that kind of goes back to you know we were discussing earlier which is you know i wouldn't be the dumbest person in the room i don't want to be the smartest person because you're a smartest person you're not learning you're not growing and i think that daily put one step ahead if you can get one step forward towards what you are progressing towards every day then you've won that day ideally you get more than one step But if you got one step you've won that day and that's part of learning that's part of growing whether it's in business or you're Your relationships, your health, or your faith, or whatever it may be, you want to make progress every day, and I think learning something new every day is one of the ways to do that. And uh, you know, you guys are doing a great job, and uh, I'm really looking forward to what it is that you are building. I've seen some of it with uh, Zeta, and that that that's going to bring more of a um, color, I think, to people's planning. You know, what does it look like? not from just a zone perspective, but what does it look like if you get into pools along the way or lakes along the way or different things like that? That's really going to bring a lot of color and I think it's going to help people kind of see the full picture, you know, maybe even better than I can show people.
0: Right. And and that's sort of born out of kind of my instincts to want to, to know exactly where my money's going and what it's going to look like in X amount of time. But there's just so many options now in the Zeta ecosystem of financial services. I mean, um, something that's not getting talked about a lot right now because of the uh, the low token price, um, but that is, you know, uh, micro zones and nano zones and trying to integrate that into all of your calculations too if you're starting from a much lower point can just add a whole nother layer of complexity. You have all these different routes that you can go um, and then it becomes a, like basically a system of equations when you're trying to calculate anything because it's just going to be a bunch of if statements. It's really hard to model your entire... Um, you know, <laughs> uh, portfolio with one math equation. Sure. like if I have this many zones over this much time, um, and I put this much money into the high frequency trading fund at this point and it's at this tier, but then two months later I'm at this tier and I invest this much, it's just it becomes way too much for its spreadsheet. You, you know, maybe not. I'm sure someone could write a, a, a really nice spreadsheet, lot, right? Multiple
1: spreadsheets, many spreadsheets.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Tabs for different sheets, man. No, you're right. And I think uh, what we really wanted to do, and what it was was my goal, I'll just you know, share personally with Zeta is to have something that I wanted from the other side of the fence, right? To have a project that you know made money to the degree that they could actually afford to buy back their own native token. That doesn't exist because... You know, I'll just say this: the vast majority of DeFi projects are built to benefit the founders. You know, Zeta is um, uh, uh, really built for the community to benefit heavily, but you do see a lot of projects that are built heavily weighted towards the founders. Which is, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not judging. I'm just saying it, it is interesting because when they do collapse, you kind of find find out. Yeah, they were actually built more so to benefit the founders. But what I wanted to do is say, hey, listen, we make money. We buy back our own tokens, giving you a stable coin position in a HFT fund. Like that's nuts. You know, if I were to see this from the other side, I would have been like you know, going crazy over it. So I wanted to build something kind of selfishly for myself. It just so happens that, you know, it's something that benefits uh, everybody else. In it. And it does so through options. You know, if you. Don't have options in the uh, ecosystem, you only have one option, and that's to go up can come right back down. And that's what we've typically seen in DeFi projects is they go up, they come down because there's nothing to do but sell. Um, you know, selling is obviously, you know, it's one option, but uh, doing something with your token besides selling is actually what gives you that utility and that sustainability in the long run.
0: I was thinking that the other com- day. <laughs> go ahead, Marcus. Do you th- do you see any
1: copycats of Zeta starting up or anyone like that that's trying to partner with a hedge fund that's similar to Gaxus and trying to provide services? Or do you guys still see yourself as the only ones in the space? I haven't been keeping track of that.
2: You know, um, there are others that use uh, traditional finance trading, right? There's, um, There were some before us. And you, know, you kind of find out, oh, yeah, there's this other you know, HFT thing that existed you know, a year or so. I'd never heard of it, right? Stuff like that that do seem to pop up. Um, but they're taking a little bit of a different approach, where they're not giving such high returns. They're not allowing compounding. They're sort of forcing withdrawals over a you know like a monthly period, right? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's gonna. You know, listen, it's one of those things where they always say you can fork the code, but you can't fork the people, right? I would also say you can't fork the community. You can't fork the um, uh, uh, the ability to manage the fund. You can't fork the ability to trade, you can't fork the love and the desire to want to do better for other people, all this kind of stuff, right? But there will be copycats inevitably because that's just, you know, the crypto space sees this and they say, hey, you know, I could copy this and whether it's legitimate or not, I'm not here to to judge, but, you know, hey, I can copy this and, you know, maybe make some money. But again, that's where it comes back, in my opinion, to having the entrepreneurial experience to run a business. And I've run several businesses, so I kind of understand that. And I'm not the only one running Zeta. I'll just say that up front. There's a lot of people like that. Um, you know, there's just, there's things that you can't copy, I guess is what I'm saying, but it's inevitable that you will see copycats. It's just part of the, the human condition. I will say.
0: Probably not yeah. too many of them trying to, uh, uh, IPO at the moment.
2: Yeah. And that's, uh, people were asking, well, what are you IPO in for? What's the purpose behind this? And I will say one thing is it grants a lot of legitimacy, you know, to go through to security exchange commission to IPO with an equity, um, your books have to be in order, your money has to be in order, your trading has to be in order, your business has to be in order, your business has to be structured properly. There's a litany of things that's way outside of my um, scope, I will just say, to to even answer it fully, but just to say that there's a reason you don't see them an IPO. And A, they don't know how to, but B, if they were to IPO, they probably wouldn't pass you know, some of the rudimentary um, you know requirements to do so. So it really says, hey, we're here, we're real, and we're taking this thing like a real business.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can I can uh, already attest to the fact that IPOing adds a layer of legitimacy because um, I had my annual discussion with my financial advisor. He called in. He was asking, you know, hey, what's up? What's new? You know, any new investments? Any new big purchases? Things like that. And I'm like, oh, I got a new car. Uh, that that's been nice. That was fun. And I'm like, but I'm also in this other thing called Zeta Capital, and it's pretty cool. And I started explaining it, and of course, it immediately sounds like um, you know some crypto scam because they don't always understand uh, all the details yet because it takes some time to explain a project like this Um, but then i I continued to explain and i was like yeah and they're planning on ipoing later this year and and he's like oh okay i'm like yeah i'm like they're legit this is this is this is a real thing people have put money in people are taking money out on a daily basis they're taking lots of money out uh on a pretty regular basis um this is something that i think you should look into and he started he's he's like all right I'm, i'm writing down notes i'm like okay
2: yeah, we'll be uh, crossing the $1 million in withdrawals from the HFT pools and lakes uh, if we haven't already crossed that. I know it's certainly being processed. Um, so that's a testament to, yeah, guess what, it's real. And is the reason you're IPO is because it's real. You can't IPO with something that doesn't exist. You can't IPO and go through the Security <laughs> Exchange Commission with something that's not real, that's madness. But yeah, it, it's really, uh, I'll tell you kind of um, a little funny thing that I've noticed since being Zeta is when you explain it to people, you almost have to say you don't make that much money for them to believe it. Yeah. This country, isn't that a funny thing? Like, oh, wait, 20% you know, so you don't make 20% true. in 10 years in a, in a bank. Um, you know, they don't understand, you know, obviously fractures are banking and institutions are making this, you know, on a, on a weekly basis kind of thing. But nonetheless, it, it, it's almost like you have to make less money for people to believe it. And that's just, we've had so many scams in crypto that make 100,000% all the DAOs, if you remember DAO season, right? Um, that when you say you're making something like this, you know, 15, 10, 20, 25% a month or what have you, that compounds immediately the red flags go up. And I completely understand if, you know, I was on the receiving end of a lot of those projects that didn't work out. My red flags would go up as well. Um, but it's one of those interesting times where you actually are legitimate. You actually can do this, but a lot of people, unless you tell them you don't make that much money, they almost won't believe you. And it's kind of just a little funny thing that I've noticed since being in Zeta.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to lie me and Brett have this conversation at least once a week where we just look at each other. Maybe we're like hanging out or grabbing Chipotle or something because he lives just like 25 miles north of me hang out all the time. It. Yeah. And uh, I look at him. I'm like, I can't believe this is real. He's like, I know. I'm like, it's, it may, it's, it is, it really is almost unfathomable when, I mean, when you, you stretch it out beyond 12 months Really, from any starting point, you look at it, you're like, this is kind of insane. And immediately when I start to think of those numbers, I'm like, all right, I got to break out the hammer. I got to start cracking on this foundation because you're Mm -hmm. just kind of in disbelief over the model, no matter how many times you kind of simulate the business model in your head. It just truly is unbelievable that not only this exists, but that it also works, like truly works. It really is just, I mean, it's it's kind of mind-blowing
2: there are people in Zeta who have explained it to those in traditional finance. They're like, Oh yeah, I don't know exactly what high trading is. That stuff is legit. Like floor traders know what this stuff is. Like it's, it's just common. Like, these guys are making three, 4% a day. Like it's nothing they don't always compound it, but they're making this a day story. You know, we've kind of, um, hinted that, you know, maybe it will be a movie one day, um, there really is a story behind Zeta that people don't know that how the Lord's hand has been in this business. And I've, Seen this, you know myself. Um, that has to be told someday, and it will be told. Obviously, it is, it's it's you know we'd be here for hours if I was to tell you. But nonetheless, um, it, it's a story in of itself, and it's a story of a story. But uh, it's it's one of those things that um, the and I don't want to say average person. That sounds so wrong and so bad. But kind of like the non traditional finance kind of person, like myself, um, might look at something like this and you know have those questions and those concerns and things like that. But people who tell others who are in traditional finance that they get it. Like most of these people don't even need to be explained to. Um, And that's actually brought in an interesting sort of, I'll say, you know, um, um, audience, right? Mostly to Zeta Black, to be honest, because zones and tiers and compound is just like, it's too DeFi gamified-ish to them. So, um, but they, they look at this model and they say, oh yeah, that's stuff that exists. So it's a weird sort of like the crypto people are like, you know, it doesn't, you know, sound, it's, it's like a scam. People in actual finance, like, yeah, makes sense. I get it. So it's it's been this like weird, like uh, it's had a, a challenge on one side, but not so much of a challenge on the other side. I've noticed.
0: Just the existence right. of Zeta Black, I think, adds even another layer of legitimacy too, because people are like, man, I don't know. Like this crypto stuff's kind of kind of scammy. I don't really know if I want to get involved in it. Like I don't understand it. It seems hard. All this other stuff. And I'm like, well, dude, if, just if you don't want if you don't want to deal with the crypto stuff, just go into Zeta Black. Like. We have the same service available for you if you don't want to deal with all the crypto stuff. There's, you know, it's it's structured a little bit differently, um, um, to the point that I actually prefer blue a little bit. I'm not sure how much you know is going going out about Zeta Black at the moment, so I won't say any more than that. But, um, I mean, I think that yeah, like I said, just that. I mean, that would appeal to a lot of people who don't want to get into it or those who don't buy into crypto.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because. Um... Uh, there is a group of people who are testing black and they're aware of it and they're, you know, I'm um, sharing it with people they know who are more in traditional markets and it has that appeal, which was the intended purpose was to have that appeal. Uh, even in, you know, I know XRP grandpa in his classes has had a challenge probably explaining Zeta Blue, the token model, um, to uh, people who are as classes, you know, what is a, what's a zone, what's. A tier, what's a pool? What's a block? What's a lake? I had it's, it's very if you don't come from a game gamified sort of mindset in a gaming world or a crypto world or anything like that, it's you just pull the average person on the street and try to explain things, they're gonna lose their mind. They're not gonna get it. But if you said, hey, you know, even if you don't know what a stable coin is, I can explain it. The digital token that represents one to one with the fiat U.S. dollar, right? Okay, that makes sense. Okay, well that's what? You say. get access to the exact same thing using that. So there's no token of um, uh, uh, changing value. There's no OTC, having to wait for things to sell. Um, And none of these are bad things. They're just different, right? There's a different audience. So there's actually definitely an appeal of black to sort of a more of a high net worth individual, um, somebody who just wants something straightforward, elegant, simple, easy, put it in, walk away, come claim, that's it um, sort of thing. Very simplified. And a lot of these people don't want to spend hours and hours reading, when does the pool open? And you know, how can they get in? Like, what is the Discord? I didn't even know what Discord was years ago. I thought it was this crazy thing. And uh, so, you know, it, it's a different approach for a different audience that's um, resonating, I will say so far.
1: Yeah, that kind of somewhat segues into my next question. Now, I'm not sure how much you can talk about this, so feel free to just say next question. But I was was curious, uh, how was the partnership between Gaxus and Zeta Capital originally started? And why was the idea of a partnership in the crypto space for Gaxus coming into the crypto space originally started with Zeta? Like, how did that partnership begin?
2: It was through mutual connections, mutual connections and other projects where they brought this sort of utility to another project that didn't want it. This project thought they knew better. Wow. Again, we go back to the people who think they know everything in the room, right? The people who are not open to learning, they're not open to growing, they're not open to personal business, financial, other type of growth, just dismissed it. Yeah, they can do the same thing. Of course, you know, they they couldn't do the same thing. So ended up being when, you know, seeing sort of the true colors of those people on that project say, hey, listen, this is a real problem, you know, um, but there's this utility, the, and this utility can't be ignored, especially when you look at the DeFi space and you see people putting money into projects and you got founders just, you know, I'll say crapping all over people, right? And um, lying and, you know, you know the whole thing. So what would it look like if people who had the right intentions to serve the community came in with real utility that made real money, right? in the right project. And that's where it says, listen, if people aren't going to do this, we got to do it ourselves, right? So um, it was one of those things where I just felt like it had to be done because I didn't think anybody else was going to do it. And so far, nobody else has done it. So it was uh, kind of the right move at the time, I would say.
0: Good thinking. I agree. It also needed to be done. I thank you. I thank you for your sacrifices. Yeah,
1: my, my wallet thanks you for your, for your idea. <laughs> oh, you are welcome. I uh, love having you
0: guys
2: as part of the community, by the way. I uh, If I didn't say this publicly, I'll say it. I was listening to the um, interview you did with XRP Grandpa the morning um, my son was born. I was, you know, in the hospital. My wife was in labor. I was listening to, oh, this is interesting. This guy knows a lot of stuff about this project and uh I, come to find out later he was part of our community obviously and uh it was a uh, you know I'm, i i really am humbled by the knowledge and the um uh, enthusiasm and excitement of the people in our community and i learned from you guys you know i, I always say that i couldn't do what i do without the mods and uh you know jt who does a great job but the community as well and i'm learning from you guys too and you guys say things like that's interesting i've thought about that so Um, you know, we, I really want to be open to what the community is saying, right? Obviously it has to be run like a business as you're well aware, but the community does have things that you gotta be. You gotta be the person in a room that's willing to listen. You gotta be the person in a room that says, Hey, I'm not always right. Sometimes someone else has a good idea and there's that golden nugget. I've even said you could be the CEO of a fortune 50 company and you might walk down the hallway and somebody you don't even know who works, you know, under you is says something and you pick up on it's a billion dollar idea. But unless you're open to it, you're not going to hear it. You're not going to implement it. You're not going to take it seriously. So, thank you for being a part of the community, and thank you for what you guys do. Thank you for your memes, by the way.
0: I mean, you are the
2: meme master. I've, uh, I
0: I submit to that.
1: Well, I can only I can only claim that if I win. Otherwise, I'm just another guy.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but. Uh... One of the one of the first things that uh, XRP Grandpa had mentioned in our last interview was just how responsive the mods were in the community was. If you ever had any questions, just go in there and ask. And his son, Luke, was able to confirm that. And so naturally, one of the first things we did, I mean, we already had Discord. We, we played games and things like that. So we were very familiar with it already. So just a matter of finding the link and getting, getting plugged in. But, you know, immediately it was exactly like they talked about. I mean, the mods in there are phenomenal. And not only that, but I mean... <laughs> Marcus and I, I mean, he'll tell you the same thing. We kind of, like, live and breathe this Discord server. It, it's a lot of fun to be around. Um, if you're not there requiring help, it's a lot of fun to help other people out. And, I mean, if we've got these fun contests and things like that going on where uh, you can create, like, a graphic or, or like, a meme or, you know, s- several other contests we've got uh, with the Zeta games and stuff like that as well. And it's just, uh, it's just a really good time.
2: You know what I learned from other projects is that the founders at a certain point became too um, big for their britches, I'll say, use old term. Usually about 60 to 90 days in, you just didn't see them anymore. They were gone. You couldn't get a hold of them. They would never respond to you. They were not available. I never wanted that. I always wanted to have some degree of availability. You know, obviously that's limited at certain points, different days. As you guys know, this is our second time trying to actually schedule this uh, podcast So I always wanted to have that degree that, hey, you know, we've been in this almost nine months now, if you can believe it. I think it's nine months. I'm losing track, but almost a year, I'll say, really, to be honest. And I'm still in there. Gavin's still in there. Our mods are still in there, even though we have some new ones. I never wanted to be like, yeah, I'm too important, too big to come in there and um, engage with the community and talk and answer questions and help. And sometimes that's publicly, sometimes that's privately. I just think it's really important as a founder to have your hands on the wheel and to really be available, right? To a degree, um, the business can take you away, but that doesn't mean that you step away from the community and you're done just because you got to a certain level or the business got to a certain level. I'd say it's even more important at that point to be available and to not let people think that you've just walked away and ignored them. It's, it's you know whether you were the face or whether you were the CEO or whether you were handling the funds, or whatever it may be. You need to be available and you need to, um, you know, take the community seriously and be open to what they're saying. And I think we've really tried to learn from the past mistakes of other projects to make sure we're as available as possible.
1: Yeah. Uh, and obvi- obviously, Zeta Capital gives some of its proceeds to the James Project, which you've shouted out multiple times. Um, are there other charitable projects? Can you hear me? I don't know if you can hear yeah, me. Yeah, we, we, sometimes we break up
2: every so often. I but know. yeah Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So Zeta Capital gives some of its proceeds to the James Project, and there's been that partnership for months now. I was wondering if there were other projects that you had any interest in partnering with, or just generally speaking, any other projects similar to the James Project that you'd like to shout out? You know, at the
2: moment, um, a lot of it is conversations that are um, still conversations. So I would want to be respectful to when it's actually official, but I definitely look into who we're currently partnered with, definitely look into James Project. They do wonderful work. We're about to make another donation, actually, uh, to them. Again, it should be another five-digit donation. And um, they do wonderful work uh, in South America for uh, abused women and children. They help uh, bring them up in their faith, and they help clothe them and educate them and um, um, give them a place to live. And they're really looking to always improve. They have like solar projects and projects with um, vans for court appearances and just all things that you could help with. So if you're really interested in that, look up James Project. I think it's jamesproject.org. And uh, Tiffany Applegate runs that. She's wonderful, has a uh, really big heart. So a great Christian organization, but even if you're not a Christian, it's still uh, doing wonderful work for people. And they are just very selfless. So I always want to try and give to people who are selfless as much as possible.
1: And if you go to that website, can you directly give there? Or is there any way outside of Zeta Capital to give to that project?
2: Yeah, jamesproject.org, and there's uh, different projects you can actually donate to if you want, or just give an overall donation, and they will um, you know, apply that as needed, as necessary to time.
1: Okay. Got uh, any questions, Brett?
0: Um, I we Something that we had talked about, or something that you had briefly mentioned in the past was, uh, and this isn't pressure to make a video, I, I'm not saying that, but uh, you had mentioned in the past that you were going to... Um, look at making a video at uh, sort of like different strategies at covering your fees and things like that. Do you have, um, uh, obviously not financial advice or anything like that, let's just, you know, get that out of the way. Um, is there like any creative ways that you can use the existing set of financial services that maybe people wouldn't have thought to use in a way to pay for their fees? Um, I know a lot of people are using lakes and things like that, but uh, um, is it uh, in any maybe anything else uh, that you had in mind that could be used for making uh, fees a little bit easier
2: you know I would have to answer that by um, keeping it inside the ecosystem right um, and and that would be again so I think the math that I ran and you know at the uh, on the spot I might get this wrong but I'm pretty sure I'm accurate on this is that if you go into the lake for a full 30 days based on the tier you're in you will actually cover your fees moving forward for whatever zone count you have Huh. Roughly. If it's not a full coverage, it's like a 95% coverage is the math that I ran. So there's a couple people in our discord who have said that um, based on the uncharted NFTs they hold, based on the lakes uh, and the pools even, but they're not, a lot of them aren't touching the pools, that they're paying for a fee. They don't even have to sell a token they'll want. They can take it and compound if they want. They can take it and just wait for pools or they could do other things with it. You know, the things hopefully we have uh, coming, you know, in in the coming weeks and months, of course. But it really creates what I call like a closed ecosystem where you can use the utility to pay for the utility, if that makes sense. It's kind of an mm-hmm. interesting little, you know, again, this is something that typically you'd have to sell your token in order to pull this off. You'd have to devalue the position, you have to devalue the price, and obviously devaluing your own position inside of the actual utility if you were to do so. Um, so again, that's and not even to bring up the fact that I didn't even bring this up yet, which is that that liquidity is still growing. For potential buybacks down the road and that's outpacing zone growth that's another important sure. point people say oh there's not enough volume in otc i'd actually say there is actually pretty significant volume and as a matter of fact there's only enough for people to buy a couple hundred zones so we list as part of helping that process but we also do regular buybacks and that liquidity is still growing in the hft fund uh, we actually pulled it at just the right time because gold went on this little bull run who will bull run it that allowed us to take advantage of it but I would say just kind of keep it inside the ecosystem. I think personally, this is this is what I do. I'm just saying as an end user, I'm also an end user, you know, uh, as you know, our CEO, like Kevin likes to kind of jokingly say, you know, I eat my own restaurants, I use my own products, I use all that stuff because I believe in it, right? I don't... Uh, Say, so, yeah, yeah, here's something, but you know, I'm not in it, right? I'm not like Congress that creates laws that don't apply to me
1: uh, as inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <Burn. laughs> it's like my funny story. Funny story. Here's a funny story. This will be in the movie. When we introduced, I don't know if you guys are in the project time, when we introduced the um the claim limit, how much you can claim. I forgot the claim before we implemented the claim limit. So uh-huh. I had the oh, ball. now I gotta pay and claim for like five days. So you know, again, it's one of those things. It's really fun. This is all provable on the blockchain. Anybody that wants to question it, but just going back to it, it's um it's it's I would say the utility is the big driving force that it creates an internal ecosystem you could pay for your own fees, allow you to compound. And if you want to sell an OTC, you have that option. You might have to wait several days for it to sell, right? The different sort of system where we match buyers and sellers together. Um, so that's actually an efficient queue. It's kind of like when I call. If I don't get upset if I'm put on hold, you know, I'm on your number three or four, and then the answer, I, I just understand there's fewer agents, and I have to wait. I don't get upset about it kind of a different thing in crypto but it's a unique thing so i would just say using the utility really gives you the ability to create again for the third time a closed ecosystem that allows you to cover your fees whether you want to sell a token or not
0: i mean that's pretty much the same math that i ran i mean uh, i was looking at pretty much doing the same thing mark and i for for the time being have the same strategies in mind um Basically, we're just, I mean, we're not, uh, we're not at 75 yet. And for the most part, we're not even in the high frequency trading pool yet. I could be at the 10% right now. But uh, my, my current goal is just to grind straight to 75. And that's his as well. So a lot of it right now um, is, i mean, you know, I could, I could sell the, the tokens over the counter, to pay for fees, I could put it into the lake right now at uh, what 10% and pay for fees. Um, currently, I'm just eating it and grinding away at zone building but as soon as i get to 75 i think i'm going to put a huge chunk uh, of my monthly rewards straight into the lake and then try to pay for fees moving forward that way uh, and then you know renew your zones because you know this this will help you with your zone renewal as well because you know if you don't have any zones and there's no fees to pay for and you can use the the lake airdrops to, to pay for the renewal of zones so um, it helps sort of in two ways which i think is really great
1: I cannot tell you the amount of arguments we've had on utility strategy in the past five mm-hmm. months, and we can get passionate about it too. Sometimes we'll start raising voices, like "No, that's not the fastest way."
0: <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. This is why we need the simulator. The simulator <laughs> will tell me everything. Yeah, you know, it'll tell I, you you're wrong.
1: I'm going.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I think that simulator is a great idea, by the way, and it's it's funny because I um I I had a, a slight interest back many years ago before crypto in options you know puts yeah. and covered calls and naked puts and all this kind of stuff so i used to do paper trading on i think it was at the time td ameritrade remember correctly i used to do paper trading so when we got into zeta i said to gavin one day a long time ago i said it'd be interesting if we had like a paper trading sort of thing in this that what would that look like yeah where you can actually fast forward time and rewind time and kind of change things right like okay what does this look like 90 days from now so i actually think the fact that you're building that's genius it's going to help a lot of people um, I, I do want to comment and say something that might be a little out of the ordinary for a founder of a project, which is, you know, don't be afraid to make it real along the way. It's okay. Like, it, it, you know, it, if you want to compound this great, right? I can't tell people what to do as you know, sure. but if people want to get into a pool or a lake along the way, or they want to list them on OTC along the way, consider making it real. Um, it's, it's, you know, I just think it's good to reward yourself along the way. That's just kind of my philosophy. And if it's slow down a little bit, I, mean, I would look at it from the perspective, of, okay, if it slows you down a little bit, what's really the negative about that, right? I mean, you're taking some chips off the table and you make it real. And I, I just, you know, it might be unusual, you know, project founders don't sell, don't sell it from really the opposite standpoint of saying, you know, consider, you don't, you have to, but consider maybe making some of it real along the way you know i um i have different wallets and different tiers and i've been in every single pool 10 all the way up to 25 and it's just making it real along the way and taking advantage of different things that are open and uh of course not you know taking it to the degree where people can't get in but it's just i think it's important to make it real as well
0: no that's a good point and you know maybe under normal circumstances i would but i have way too much confidence in this project right now and you know maybe maybe it's uh maybe i should just start paying myself maybe it's not a bad idea
1: what does the simulator say this is Uh, the real question the the
0: simulator (laughs) says um um there was a syntax error on line 40. (laughs) No, actually, the the hardest the the actual hardest problem of this for me is uh, the CSS because I'm not a web developer. I am um, I am professionally a C plus plus developer. I uh, mm. I do um, software engineering using C plus plus and Qt, and it's a lot of native desktop application type stuff up here in the Dayton area. Um, but yeah,
2: I, I I did that in school, and I found it was not my strength, so I decided I don't want to be a developer or a programmer. I'll, I'll let somebody who's more talented do that. Listen,
0: I, I, I'm i not saying I enjoy it, but it pays all right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it, it's kind of what I used to tell, tell people in school. I got good grades
0: in math doesn't mean I liked it. It just <laughs> means that it got good grades in it. Doesn't no. mean I enjoyed it at all. I actually hated it. Yeah, I didn't get good <laughs> grades in it either. I actually wasn't bad. I got like Bs, I think, but... That's not bad. Hey,
2: you know, some people are getting only the Fs.
0: B is bad, right? Oh, B for bad. Yeah. A for That's what something. mom me. A is for astounding. That's what that is. Astounding. It just it goes it. from bad to astounding. There's no there's no in between. Well, there's I don't know if
1: this question has been answered yet. Maybe I somehow missed it, passed it up on the Discord or because I've listened to like every AMA in existence and I haven't heard this addressed. Um one of the questions I had was outside of USDT and outside of USDC. Say uh, in the in a crazy instance, both of them depegged. Have you guys picked out? You don't even have to say it, but have you guys picked out a third option that you could see as a worthy prospect that you would migrate to instead of those two?
2: Yeah, potentially. I mean, it kind of depends on what the environment is at that point. Um, you might have every single stablecoin depegging all at once. I mean, unlikely, right? Obviously, but in well, that dollar. weird. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry.
1: Well, if the dollar crashes, uh, we got bigger problems.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that question, that very question, um, I've been asked a few times. I didn't answer it publicly this night. But, you know, essentially, um, if you have the U.S. dollar depegging, I mean, or falling, excuse me, and there's like a run on stable coins, um, it will kind of depend on which one becomes the winner. Well, you know, you've actually seen uh, Binance, I think, is kind of taken a step away from BUSD. And they're going towards uh, I think it's true USD if I'm not mistaken. And so you see these different movements happening. So you're like, okay, who's gonna be the winner? Binance seems to be controlling this market a lot. I don't know if anybody's noticed that. Oddly, yeah. controlling this market a lot. So you want to talk about centralized risk, <laughs> that's the centralized risk. So well, anytime you have a stable coin, you will have a centralized risk. I mean, we just found this out with SVB and the circle and all this. So um, you know, we you could you could even actually switch to something that's not a stable coin, although you do have some challenges with that. Um, you know, For example, in the pre-sale, we had taken AVAX as one option. Um, you could move to a volatile crypto. That's the problem is you might be paying more or less, um, especially if you're talking HFT payouts, because now by the time you close and hedge, that could be a couple of weeks. You need to go up to 28 days to receive it. That could go from $50 to 20 and you end up like, hey, what did I get here? So it just become kind of a challenge, right? Um, you'd have to be swapping the crypto at the right time. And anyway, there's all these factors that um, uh, it's really difficult to always predict, but just know that you know we do have the ability to kind of switch on a dime if need be. And uh, yeah, I think we did that pretty quickly after USDC. And maybe we should have stayed with USDC you know, it was okay a couple of days later. But yeah, I'm kind of in the position of um, the mindset of I don't want to risk something that's that big, um, especially when you're talking treasury funds and you know other monies that are a part of the communities. It's, it's important to treat it with respect and like it would be your own. Um, so that's why we made that switch decision. so I think if if something ever did happen, we could pivot you know just as quickly again.
0: yeah, that's that's awesome to hear because I mean, it seems like you guys always have like sort of a backup plan, right? I mean, uh, we've seen this a couple times but uh, when the usdcd pegged was one of those times, but then um, we had a, a thing happen uh, with penguin and and uh, and sort of the migration to radio Shack swap that was. I think handled extremely well. Um, it was like it was it was it was a little scary for like twenty minutes, I'd say, and then you know there was immediate transparency. Um, things were happening. Everything was rectified. Uh, tickets were put in. You know, mods and, and and the rest of the staff were great at helping everybody solve their problems. It's just the communication from uh, you and your team has been phenomenal, and it's only. Uh, like, boosted confidence, uh, at least on my end. And I know that was one... Because we were, we were pretty new to the project when that was happening. So it was, this was maybe, like, two weeks in, and we're both like, uh, what's going on here? And then everyone's... You know, we got the communication, and it was just like, well, you know what? This This may have happened, but I am more comfortable now than I was before, right? I mean, because it was just handled so well. And look where we're at now. I mean, everything is... I'd say vastly better than it was in the past.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, again, that goes back to um, learning things along the way, right? And anybody who tells you they, yeah, I've had people tell me this, you know, they want me to hey, look at my tokenomics. They'll say, this is the perfect tokenomics structure. And I'm thinking you're in trouble if you're thinking that because <laughs> no such thing as a perfect tokenomics. So um, nobody gets things right on day one. And yeah, that was, uh, you know, I always put myself on the other end of position. If I was the end user, would I want people to communicate if something like that happens? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, sort of like I'll, I'll, I'll tend to it or, or compare it to sort of like when um, uh, David from the Bible's uh, a child died. What did he do? He stopped mourning. He cleaned himself up, ate, got some sleep, went back to work, right? So he moved on. He, okay, this is the problem. Now you got to go attack it. It's kind of how I look at it. So that's exactly what it did. And um, it's ongoing communication. I think that's important. We see a lot of projects have a problem. They're just, where where the founders. They're gone. And the fact that the founders are gone anyway, know, they've disappeared from the Discord anyway, and uh, now something happens and you really don't see them. So I just think it's important whether it's your wins, your losses, and it's never a loss. It's always a learning experience, right, as I say. Or anything in between. It's just important to be available, to be there for your community, and to stay in touch. And um, you know, I, I think we've done that to the best of uh, our ability. And uh, you know, we're we're never perfect, but uh, we're always looking to improve.
1: Well, I was in a very interesting position. I think Brett already had either one or two zones when the uh, the switch to Penguin to Radio Shack happened. I actually had that, like I would say, like an hour leading up to the incident i actually had the money transferred to my wallet and i was literally like uh, pretty much just like i just need to sit down and do this by my first two zones that's that's what i was going to start out with and basically when i went to go open my laptop to actually buy the zones all of a sudden i see the chatter on the discord mm. and at and at that point i was Obviously, kind of scared, but I was also somewhat relieved because I realized in that moment I was either going to be able, at least in my mind, I was like, okay, now I get to see what happens and I either keep my money from a catastrophe or they handle this in a way, honestly, I wasn't expecting you to handle it. (laughs) And at that point, I was like, oh, my confidence just two or three X because it was at that point When that was going down, I thought back to what XRP Grandpa was talking about on the podcast where he said, you know, the transparency and the communication was so well, I thought in that moment, well, we're going to see, aren't we? (laughs) And as everything started to divulge and, you know, uh, at least from where we were at, the evening turned into the night and I was keeping up with it on the Discord. I was like, this is honestly pretty impressive. Watching how everyone was hands-on mm-hmm. in the Discord, talking to people, communicating, mm-hmm. and it was literally the next day I went and decided I was like, you know what, that is. And I was literally texting Brett at that time, as everything in the Discord was happening. I texted him. I was like, well, we're about to find out. <laughs> and he, and uh, the next day, I was my confidence was high enough to where I went ahead and bought my two zones. So it it, it really was. It really was just what the doctor ordered. I, obviously, you wouldn't want it to happen, all things being equal. But for me and my confidence in the project, it was kind of just what the doctor ordered, where the project was put in a position where it had to be transparent, even more transparent than you know it was in any given moment leading up to it. And the fact that I saw that from the mods, from you, from everyone else being hands-on with everyone wondering what was happening, that instilled... So much more confidence. I would say the only thing that was even close to that level of confidence boost was when you went full OTC, which is kind of a different level of confidence. It's more tokenomics level of confidence instead of like project integrity. Sure. But, but uh, you know, it's it was at that point I realized I was dealing, you know, you and the mods and other people included, I was dealing with people of integrity. And that meant like everything to me, you know, especially being the DeFi space, like that means so, I know that meant so much to so many of the people in the Discord as well. Well, thank you.
2: Uh, That's part of what the story has to be that's told because there's things that have happened that look like a negative and in many aspects they are that lead to a lot of positives on the other side. And uh, there's, you know, things even behind the scenes that people don't know about that fall into some categories that have to be told. But, you know, I always tell people, I say, if we wanted a reason to walk away from Zeta, just take your pick, right? Um, uh, You know, that would have been a big reason to just yeah, not interested anymore. By you know, done. A lot of project founders would have done that. They would lost, you know, money and liquidity, you know, arbitrage, trying to sell tokens, trying to thing to look to drain liquidity, ends up being arbitrage, all this kind of stuff. I mean, project founders have been like, you know, can't handle that kind of loss. They're just done. You know, it's um, it, it's about being humble and coming out and saying, yeah, you know, look, we're not perfect. Here's what happened. Here's how it happened. And we're on it. We're fixing it. Um, you know, things like, for example, um, uh, I think most projects would have probably just paused the emissions, the rewards that were going on with the zones ongoing. We allow them to just keep going crazy, right? I got, why would we do that? Um, wasn't your guys' fault you know, it wasn't the community's fault that held zones that, uh, you know, I guess we could have extended their time, but, you know, they still have a year on their zones. So why should there be punished? They be punished, be punished for uh, something that wasn't really their fault. And on top of that, um, people who are in the liquidity pools being reimbursed. I think we reimbursed between anywhere from 90 to 100 grand in wow. refunds for people who were in the uh, liquidity pools at the time that suffered the impermanent losses. And I don't know a project that reimburses liquidity pools. That's nuts. I mean, they figure, hey, liquidity pools are a risk. That's the highest risk of crypto, quite frankly, if I'd be honest with you, besides buying maybe meme coins, is getting into LPs because it can go one way or another, depends on what happens with the project. Uh, you're on your own. And that's it. And uh, you know, to this date, everybody's been refunded. We allow people to pull their tokens out of liquidity, and say, yeah, this is the um, stable coin loss they have, and we reimburse them. Um, so it's one of those things where I just think you gotta gotta do the right thing, and even if it's uncomfortable and inconvenient, I'd say that's actually when it counts the most. If you can't do the right thing in those moments, you can't do the right thing when it's easy, right? Because it's it's for me, it's uh, it's all about. You know, treating people how you want to be treated in the project. And if you went through something like that, you'd want people to communicate with you. You'd want to have an action plan. Uh, even though we didn't know all the steps at the time, we were saying, hey, we don't know all the steps. Here's what we're working on is how we're going to make this right. And a week later, we were fully up and running again. Actually, I think it was a little less than a week later. Fully up and running again, um, almost as if nothing happened.
0: Yeah. Yep, it was handled phenomenally well.
1: Well, thank you. We, we do our best. So you're saying that that Dogecoin is less risky than an LP? <laughs> well, It depends.
2: <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny. Who would have ever thought, oh, and that's the thing that makes the news, right? Oh, crypto. Oh, you mean that coin that's named after a dog? What does that do? Uh, nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I guess, right? Yeah, Brett's we... never, you've never bought Dogecoin. Isn't <laughs> that right,
0: Brett? <laughs> totally never bought Dogecoin and right before a certain SNL skit was supposed to air live and then totally just got, you know, but on see, by Elon Musk, as crypto goes, that's the one you should have bought. The one that was the most
2: ridiculous, just like the stable coin that was the most transparent is the one that had the problem. The crypto that's the most ridiculous one is the one you would have made the most money on. Go figure.
0: I guess there's enough meme lords out there like Marcus that just can't help themselves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Elon oh Musk.
2: It's uh, yeah, not the first and not the last, uh. Pump probably from Dogecoin. We'll see. You know, it is kind of weird they use that to move the market and the narrative. I don't know what's up with that. There's probably something more to it I'm missing.
0: Um, yeah, well, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. You go ahead. You go ahead, good sir.
1: <laughs> well, I just have one final question, which is, and I may be uh, putting my foot in my mouth here because I haven't read the Gax's contract in like three months that you guys have on the website. By the way, anyone interested in this project, they have all their contracts on their website. For you guys to read, which is like unheard of in the DeFi space. Um, But I was wondering, maybe this is uh, disclosed in the contract you guys have with Gaxus. Do you guys ever see yourselves partnering with other hedge funds possibly, um, for any reason really? Or do you think it will always be with Gaxus?
2: It will always be with Gaxus. You know, the difference is, I'll I'll tell you, um, they own equity in Zeta, right? So it's not like, hey, yeah, take these funds, go manage them. You know, and that's it. They they really have a vested interest in Zeta. Right. Obviously, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's a private wealth management um, firm that says, hey, here's a brand new crypto project. Let's partner. Let's bring this utility that otherwise doesn't exist to the blockchain. And it's not a lot of hedge funds are going to want to do that. Right. Maybe it's a regulatory reason or they just don't, they're making enough money. They don't want to get involved in the crypto. They don't have a desire, but Gaxus has a desire to get involved in crypto, obviously. So it was a really a perfect uh, marriage and perfect partnership. And that's where you kind of put your money where your mouth is, right? When you own equity and when you make the upfront investments, like you see a couple million investments before we ever had anybody come in the pre-sale. So before anybody even came in the pre-sale, a lot of projects will take the money from the pre-sale and then go invest. We were invested before the pre-sale ever opened. And that's, putting your money where your mouth is. And I think that you would be remiss to try to find another hedge fund to do something like that, or really any partner that does anything like that, just because they have that kind of money, they're not gonna, you know, put it into a obscure crypto project called Zeta, nobody's ever heard of, that has never taken money in and anything like that. But that's that, confidence level that i think that would be challenging to find and frankly we have a wonderful relationship so there really is no need to and you know that utilities there the brokerage the liquidity providers uh, just the, the team's wonderful they have a big heart they want to help people and so why and so it really is a, a great you know connection between the two
0: cool. good enough for me yeah uh i have uh, just a few more questions for you before uh oh, it's maybe about a Hour 15 since I started recording, so another, hopefully only another 10 minutes. Let you you go. Fun, yeah, right? yeah, I know it, that's exactly true. Um, I heard, um, that, <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I heard you're sort of like, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like, like you work out a lot. Is this true, and how much can you bench if this is true? Bodybuilder is what the oh, body the is. is that what was
1: told yeah, on, the, so I on do, his Twitter bio? Oh,
2: I, I do a lot of uh, traditional like bulking cutting, like a very traditional like bodybuilding approach where you bulk in the winter, cut in the summer. I'm currently cutting, I do a lot of intermittent fasting. I eat, um, pr- pr- my primarily keto. Um, when I'm bulking, I could bench 320, 325 ish, give or take, something like that. So it's okay, you know, I was never a big bench presser, it was never like my thing. Right. Deadlifting was more my thing. I deadlift like, you know, five, six hundred pounds, that kind of thing. But uh I you know, I, I it's really funny because I say as I'm getting older, I'm really just in my thirties, but I notice things like I notice, oh, that's not healing quite as fast as it used to, right? So I um I really try to accomplish my goals and I try to stay safe in the meantime and really take that, you know, we were talking earlier, that next put one foot instead of in front of the other and progress towards your journey every day even if it doesn't always look like progress one step a day doesn't look like progress until you look at a month and you took 30 steps and you look at the end of the year you took over 365 steps right so it's that progression every single day that i try to bring to whether it's health or faith or business or finances or family or really just kind of anything but uh, to answer your question that's uh, what i do personally impressive thank you (laughs) Uh, there's people that could do more than me by the way it's not i mean you know for my age is people doing five times more it is what it is
0: well certainly not me (laughs) and i'm not not me
2: we all run our different races don't we
1: you're far ahead of yours
0: (laughs) uh so you mentioned uh the sort of the the zeta movie that is being talked about do you have a particular actor in mind that would play your role or somebody else's on the team's role perfectly you know
2: when i was younger i used to get compared and this is a weird one to the verizon guy remember the verizon guy i yeah Yeah, i guess when i was younger i used to look like him uh when i was uh working at my uh it job as a systems analyst people used to say yeah you look like this this actor i I didn't know who they were talking about from uh this show called daredevil didn't Um, know what they were talking about i'd go into just like random stores and say yeah you know you look like this guy i'm like who the heck is this guy so i had to go look him up and now I get that here. So I guess if I was to pick anybody, the um the guy that plays a daredevil from
0: the show. Yeah, I think Marcus made a couple memes that was uh, targeting that similarity. <laughs> I, don't I,
2: think
0: uh, I, I don't think I've helped,
2: <laughs> but believe me, if there's a position, Mark's got a meme for it. Yeah.
1: Guarantee. If he doesn't have it now. He will.
0: Well, it's probably in his backlog.
1: I no, I, I already posted it. I said, he, I said, handsome sh- Squidward, which should be cast as Showtime.
0: You, you had one specifically about the uh, the actor who plays Daredevil. I can't remember his name.
1: Uh, Matt Murdock? I, was, yeah. I don't know the actual guy's name, but Matt Murdock is like the character name oh, for Daredevil.
0: Sure.
2: Yeah, your, uh, your memes are very entertaining. The team enjoys yeah. them a lot, too,
1: by the way. I'll say internally, we enjoy them. <laughs> Consider it my tiny contribution to all that you do for me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, laughter is the best medicine, as they say. So I think it's, uh, especially in these days, it's great to laugh if you can.
0: I agree. Uh, I don't have anything else unless you do, Mark. Uh, it's been a great talk with you, Showtime. Thank you. Really
1: appreciate you coming on. Truly. Well, once again,
0: uh,
2: you you know, there's nothing better than supporting the uh, people from your own community, especially when they already have a platform and they're already, you know, two smart guys like you are and have uh, been doing this for a while now. And, are looking to progress, you know, both personally and professionally, Um, no two better people to support. So if you ever want to have me on again, I'm more than welcome to.
0: That sounds like a really good idea. I'd I'd love to do that, especially with how much the project changes. So there's not going to be any shortage of questions or topics to discuss. So uh, I'm sure we'll take you up on that offer at some point in the future, but uh, I think think we'll give you a break for, for the time being. (laughs)
2: I'm sure by the time we talk again, we'll be able to have another hour long content on things that have uh, changed since the last time.